When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Battle Red Radio. I am one of your hosts, Colt Molesky. I'm joined. We have a full show today. I'm joined by both Corey and Nico DLG. They're both on the show. We have all three of us back again. We're a week into this thing, fellas. We're all three on the same podcast again. We've been bringing people content throughout the week, but... It is good to have everybody back on one show. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm excited. I feel a little bit like one of the Voltron pilots. Like, maybe maybe just the Black Lion. Like, not like one of the cool ones, but I'm in it. He's the main one. That's the main body. <laughs> I thought it was the red one. I thought I... As I Power Rangers. Right? Come on. Get your, get your nerd together. Oh. oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. Black I think Corey line. was just trying to sneakily give himself the credit <laughs> of being the, the main character yeah. in this show. You guys didn't know you're on my podcast. That's how it goes. On the, on the sly. <laughs> on the sly. I got to I gotta be honest with you guys. I, I already told you about this, but I want to be honest with the listener. We're recording this. I'm on the road. I am across the country, and I'm in San Diego. I only bring it up because I'm just so dang proud of my brother who just graduated. Ezra Molesky just graduated from Marine Boot Camp. And so he is well on his way to being a warrior. He's an absolute stud. Went through boot camp with a just like a breeze. And now get to go to his graduation ceremony on Friday. I'm so proud of him. Guys, I'm so psyched. It's awesome when you see the fam winning. And so it's awesome celebrating him. But... I, to, I told the family, I was like, I got to record a show while I'm out there because we're, we're getting into this thing. We're really the, – the shows are heating up. Everything's going well. So I've got to hop on and talk Texans football while we're on the road. But that's – we're doing a road show today. It's a, it's a road show. We can't always play from home, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. Congratulations to Ezra. Uh, and you, you have an Emmy. I, we haven't announced or talked about this yet. So, like <laughs> – I guess the I guess the I guess the brothers are just overachieving over there. Uh, what is? Tell me about this Emmy because we haven't asked about it. I got you on the air now. I got you right here where I want you in my sights. <laughs> tell me about it. What's going on? Okay, so this uh, this is an Emmy I won. So I moonlight as uh, a sports reporter, sports commentator. My full-time job is actually as an NBC reporter in Wisconsin. Uh, so I, the Emmy I won was for coverage. It was for tornado coverage. Uh, really bad tornado ripping big chunks off of a heart hospital. And it ripped off the entire roof of this hospital. Uh, I was... The first on the scene, and I was reporting on this this tornado and this scene at the hospital from uh, from right around midnight to two in the afternoon the next day, and how they're having to like get patients out. It's I mean it's a heart hospital, so you have a bunch of people who are either preparing for an intense surgery or recovering from an intense surgery, and they're trying to move these patients. A lot of them are on really vital machines to keep them alive to keep them healthy that they're figuring out how to transfer onto power sources to move them it was a really intense story uh it was a really crazy uh what is that 13 hours uh 14 hours and but so yeah so that's why i i won uh an emmy a, a regional emmy for my reporting on this tornado well that's awesome that's a crazy story too Congratulations to you. Congratulations to your brother. You guys are uh, accomplished folk. You know, Nico, uh, he one time won fourth place in a Heroclix tournament, and that's basically the same thing. Yeah. I mean, 
you know, we're stacking the dubs up on this show <laughs> is, I think, the moral of the story. And uh, I was voted most likely uh, to succeed in high school. So there you go. No, that's actually not true. We, <laughs> I, our high school didn't do the voting stuff. So every time someone tells one of those stories, I feel like they're lying a little bit. Our high school did, and then a lot of the people from my high school uh, – actually, you know what? Maybe we don't say this. <laughs> you know, a lot of, all the people from my high school are lovely, and they Kate went on to mass success. <laughs> what are we doing here? Let's talk about Texas football before I get in trouble. Goodness gracious. You can never go oh home, Colton. You can never go home. This whole – this whole thing is just a trap for me. Uh, I tell you what wasn't a trap was the waiver position for the Texans. They have been making moves. I liked Tyler Johnson right out the gate. Today they signed – or Thursday they signed O.J. Howard. I know that when Nico and I last spoke a few days ago, we talked about the shallow pass catching on this team after the roster cut down to 53 the 53-man roster that they're taking in the regular season. Corey, your thoughts on the last 36 hours, 24 hours, and the signings that they've brought in the door after the cut? I mean, I think we were all together when we talked about lack of depth. Uh, Going to be a huge problem for this team. And how we talked about Nico Collins was kind of alone in the world. And... Who do they have? We, we said, oh, Brandon Cooks will get you 1,000 yards, but, it'll, but it won't really count, it feels like. And then who behind him can catch the ball? Um, this does help that. I'm not sure how much, though. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are, are excited about O.J. Howard. Um, I, I think you have to be a little honest about his career. He's not a guy who's done a ton at all these different stops, and he kind of winds up a free agent early in seasons a lot, you know. He's definitely one of those names everybody knows, and I think it was because the Patriots traded for him. Uh, that first, like, when Gronk first announced his retirement, and people were like, oh, he's going to be the new Gronk kind of a thing. Uh, I just don't... Yeah, when the Bucks tried to make a move for him, or not the Bucks, when the Patriots tried to make a move for him to get him off the Bucks roster. Right, and then the Bucks, I think, kept him. But he's... They did. And, and so he's – he's. I don't – I think he's more notary, like notor, notorious than he is maybe known for his talent. Well, you, you know what it is, I think, part of it? Because I'm caught in this spiral with some players where there are some of us out there. Now, me – myself, I'm a big college football nerd. And so there's a lot of people, I think – and I include myself in this number, who remember how he absolutely torched Clemson in that championship game and remember how he was just kind of like the fourth piece on that Alabama team that they didn't even really need to use. And then he was like the break glass when they needed him. And he had, what was it, like over 200 yards in that game against a really good Clemson team. And that's kind of for – a group of us, I think that's just stuck in our brain of when he went up against the the top competition in college, he absolutely went off. And I, I don't know how much of that is just being in the Alabama offense, but when I think of O.J. Howard, there's a part of my mind in the back of my head that thinks maybe there's some version of him that can still kind of activate where you see that side of him in the NFL I think you're right. I think at this point, he probably is who he is instead of he's just not been in the right situation. You know the saying, like, if you meet a jerk in the morning, you met a jerk. But if you met a jerk all throughout the day, then you're the jerk. <laughs> like, if you if you struggle in an offense, maybe it's the offense. But if you've, if you've always struggled in offenses, maybe you're the struggle. I think that might be, unfortunately, where we are with O.J. Howard. But at the same time, I can't stop thinking about how good he was in a title game. And there's still a piece of me that believes that that part of O.J. Mayo, or, or excuse me, O.J. Howard has not been activated yet. Well, and you got to think maybe it is sort of, um, you know, the Patriots and the Buccaneers are just slightly better teams. And so he's not 
good enough for those teams, but we are a team with opportunities. So, you know, maybe he does come out here and, and, and catch some balls and get some yards and a couple touchdowns. Maybe, you know, listen, if O.J. Howard finishes the year with, you know, 700 yards and six touchdowns, there's it's certainly nothing to sneeze at. Um, I just think... It, when it's year four or year five for a player and, and, and they've been they've been a free agent two or three times, typically that the story isn't now he turns into a great player. So I think the Tyler Johnson one's a bigger deal, I think. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh just to kind of put a bow on OJ Howard. Uh, he had one, two, three, four, five seasons with Tampa. His best season was 2018. He had 565 yards, 34 receptions off 48 targets, five touchdowns. Uh, and, and again, that's not horrible. Yeah. 70% catch percentage. Uh, I, I just, I feel like there's still a group of us that think of him in college and kind of that untapped potential and think maybe he can be like a tight end number one when he's probably realistically with some of the struggles he's had, like blocking and stuff like he's probably more of like a tight end three, you know? Or, but again, that's for like, you're saying Corey for the Texans, that depth is not a bad thing. Now we're coming to somebody who I really have a weakness for Tyler Johnson being a Minnesota boy is born and bred Minnesota boy who played for the Gophers I love Tyler Johnson. He's a good route runner. He's got great hands, plays the ball well in the air. He's got long arms. I think he's a really tough player to defend. I think that he could be really, really good. I think that this is going to be a great Minnesota gopher receiver year. Him and Bateman for the Ravens. I think both kind of bust out. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't know. I'm laughing at the, 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 the college love. I always love the idea that, like, I went to that school, they went to that school, therefore they're amazing. Um, <laughs> and everyone does it. Everyone he, does it. Hey, you know what? Go look up some film from Minnesota. <laughs> he was torching, torching players at, at big programs. And then and then they play in the Outback Bowl. They play at Auburn. Auburn perennially pumping out NFL talent on defense. And in the second half of that game, they move him to slot and he destroys Auburn in the second half of the game from slot. I think if you're throwing him around and playing with him a little bit, because the, the, if I'm not mistaken, Tampa Bay had him play outside a lot. I think if you, I think the instinct, because he's taller, would be to throw him at X, throw Cooks in a slot position. I think you reverse that. I think you have Tyler Johnson in the slot and he cooks smaller, like, nickelbacks, or if you have a linebacker on him, he's going to be faster than that. I think if they play him from the slot, he's going to be really, really good. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't argue that. I think, I think he, put, he has the potential. He's got the tools. You described the toolkit there. He, he, he has what you are looking for when you make a list of, like, oh, what are the things you want, you want a wide receiver to have? He's got the, he's got the gear. But it's about whether or not he can put it together. And that's the NFL is littered with wide receivers who have the pieces and never turn in a complete picture. And so I, I'm a little, I think I mixed like nine metaphors there. I'm nailing it today. Um, <laughs> he, uh, I do, I do wonder if, listen, Tampa Bay, here's, I always do this. I always kind of evaluate the team getting rid of the guy too. Tampa Bay is a team that believes it's here to win a Super Bowl. They're giving Tom Brady money. They, they're they're bringing guys in around him. It's it's they, they're they're fresh off of a Super Bowl win two years ago. Um, they fully expect that they are here to win a Super Bowl. So when you get players from them via trade or via cut and then signing, I believe to me. They are trimming the fat. You are picking up their pieces. Um, so it's not necessarily like, do you remember when Jake Plummer was an Arizona Cardinal, like the first part of his career? And when he gets, when he, he opts for free agency, the Denver Broncos jumped on it and gave him money. And they were like, 
it wasn't his fault he was bad. He was in Arizona. He's going to be a really good quarterback for us. And he has three really confusing years in Denver because he does have talent, but he also has those awful, horrible Arizona Cardinal moments. And you realize maybe sometimes guys are Cardinals, not because the Cardinals make them bad, but because they're bad enough to stay Cardinals. Um, so, like, I wonder about guys like Tyler Johnson. Like, when they're not good enough to stay on the good teams, this is another chance for them, so, but are are these the pieces you're looking for? I think in the defense of, and again, I'm 100% willing to say that I am biased. <laughs> I really like him. I've followed him, followed him since high school. <laughs> I really like him. But I think there's a difference between a guy – like O.J. Howard, where I think you have to temper your expectations because he's been on the uh, on the Buccaneers for five seasons, hasn't been able to carve out a significant role or a consistent role versus a Tyler Johnson, where they already have uh, they already have he comes onto that team. They already have not only Godwin and Evans, but they already have Miller. They bring in Antonio Brown. We all know how that went, but Antonio Brown was still clearly going to get the chance no matter what. And then Antonio Brown leaves, but then they sign Julio Jones, who's obviously going to get the chance no matter what. And Tyler Johnson's only been in the league two years. I think there's a little bit more of well, maybe that just wasn't a right situation. Hasn't been around long enough versus. O.J. Howard, I mean, he signed with that team when that was he was supposed to be able to like get significant snaps, and he did at the start of his career next to Cameron Brait when it was still the the Jameis tenure, and then he couldn't like keep his spot or he couldn't make a case to continue starting or getting significant snaps over five years versus. Tyler Johnson joins for two years and is in a, a super crowded receiver room. I just think it's a little bit different situation. Now, is that saying that he's a lock? No, of course not. If you're still on fringe roster, it's probably not going to be a lock. But I think that he's on a fringe roster because of situation, not because of performance. Yeah, and, and there are absolutely your guys every year who face that situation. You know, just this year watching Hard Knocks, uh, the Detroit Lions – Last year, they talk about how they found a running back they really like. And then even with the fact that they found this guy who had bounced around a couple times and this was like his third or fourth year in the league, they still talked momentarily about cutting him during training camp. Uh, and it was the positional coaches who were like, oh, we kind of really like him. He embodies everything we're trying to do here. And the head coach was like, yeah, I agree. I was just making sure we all still like him. So I do agree that there's sit- Nico doesn't even believe the Lions are it's, a real team. No, no, he doesn't. Fake. He's never seen them, so he's not sure that they're out there. <laughs> he was telling me that he's never met a Lions fan. I feel like we're carving out like a hatred from a fan base before we even get our, our feet solidly under us as a show. We're one week in and we're already excommunicating an NFL franchise. Like, I know, I'm trying to the explain one, to him. The one Lions fan can come after me. The one guy that you know... That is a Lions fan. He can personally email me, and he can he can give me an earful about an NFL franchise that I don't believe exists. As a man who has a connecting flight through Detroit later this week, I believe that the Lions are real. Just for the record, <laughs> I'm trying to explain that like you can't like you're you're going after a whole squad, and he's like, no one's ever complained about it, and I guess that's a good point. Like. No one's calling him on it. There's so. a fearlessness that Nico has that I appreciate <laughs> that he brings to the, the podcast. I'll say that. I mean, it's the smallest kid on the schoolyard, but I like it. I like it. I respect it. <laughs> we're, we're 100% here for it. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on the, the new signings before we head out here? I have a segment that I wanted to throw at you guys. I want to get your just general reaction. I did all the legwork. I just need reactions from you guys. But before we do that... Are there any other things that we should note I, on some of the last couple of days of news from the Texans? I do just want to say that I'm that I'm glad that I feel like it is, under this regime, a new thing to see them actually address needs still. You know, like, I feel like uh, mm-hmm. under the previous regimes, once they kind of built their roster, there wasn't a lot of like, oh, we picked up three guys. Uh, off the waiver wire like there wasn't a lot of that 
under the under the old regimes and the Texans history. Not just Bill O'Brien, but even other ones before that. And I and I I'm happy to see them go, hey, we need more guys who catch the ball. So I think that's at least it at least shows that Lovey Smith is going, hey, I was looking around the room and I noticed maybe we could use a couple more guys who do this. Add some pass catching, added a draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I think staying busy. I think that's a, I think it's a good. Hopefully, staying active is a good sign. Hopefully, I, I I think it is. I think you're you're correct. I think it's that's the that's what you want to do is to be proactive instead of waiting until something like an injury happens and then all of a sudden because after the cut they had four wide receivers on the roster and so waiting until you're down to three and then making a move i think is not good being proactive being proactive is good all right let's do this i i have a segment i don't know what to call it so we're just going to go maybe let's call this segment quarterback concerns because i know I came out bullish. I tried to explain it in a way that made sense about how whether Davis Mills is good or not, they know that they have to figure out their quarterback situation this year. There's not that lingering doubt of suspensions and uh, and fit and all that stuff that I think Deshaun Watson had. It's either, you know, this guy can play or he can't, but we're going to figure it out this year and we have the draft picks to fix that next year. And so then I was thinking about that and I thought, well, is there a reason to be excited for Davis Mills, or is this maybe almost fool's gold? Gold. So I went back and looked from twenty uh, for for the last roughly eight years. I went back to twenty sixteen and looked at all the quarterbacks taken in the second and third rounds. I didn't want to compare Davis Mills to first round quarterbacks. I didn't think that was fair. He was taken in the third round, so. I compare. I, I grabbed the stats for all of the quarterbacks that were taken from rounds two and three back to 2016. I looked at their second year of stats, and I want to give them to you guys and then get your reaction on, does this make you more excited and give you hope, or does this make you think, you know what, we're maybe expecting too much out of a third-round pick? How does that sound? All right, I, I like it. I like it. I'll have a name for it by the end of it. I'm ready. All right, all right. So I'm going to run through these real quick and just get your reaction. Uh, so let's start out 2020. Again, this is the second year for quarterbacks taken in the second and third rounds. This is their second year. So this is the 2021 draft. So this is how they played in 2021 from the – excuse me. This is the 2020 draft. This is how Jalen Hurts played in 2021, his second year. He went 8-7. and seven. Over 3,100 yards, 26 total touchdowns. His completion percentage was up to 61%. Obviously, he was the consistent starter, so all of his numbers were up from the year before and actually helped his team to a playoff berth. So that's that's a good note to start out. Hurts looks like at least mildly successful. Going back to 2019, second year for Andrew Locke. Again, he was taken in 2019, so this is his 2020 season. 4-9 record, just over 2,900 yards, 19 total touchdowns. His completion percentage went down to 57%. Not very good stats. Not very good stats. He got more consistent starts, but not very good stats. And then in taken in round three, Will Greer, no stats to speak of. Uh, just kind of a consistent backup through his first couple of years. 2018 draft. The second year for this quarterback was 2019. Round three, Mason Rudolph had one start after kind of filling in, had a bad year his first year and a couple of starts. Second year, 0-1, just over 300 yards, one touchdown, completing just under 60%. 2017 draft, we had a lot of quarterbacks taken. Kaiser, Webb, Bethard. Second year for those guys, so 2018 season, no stats for Kaiser, no stats for Webb, and they washed out of the league. Bethard actually got more starts, but he went 0 for 5, over 1,200 yards, 9 total touchdowns. His completion percentage was up to 60%. 2016 draft, so 2017 season, second round, Hackenberg was taken, no stats. Uh, and then 
Brissett was taken in the third round, and obviously he's bounced around the league a lot. This was the year where he moved to Indianapolis uh, after being on the Patriots. Four and eleven, th- over three hundred or three thousand yards, seventeen total touchdowns, completion percentage fifty eight percent, and then last quarterback round three Kessler. And he barely played at all after a weird first year. Barely played at all. Had just over 120 yards. So this is a lot of numbers I just threw at you. The big thing is, it seems to me, and again, a lot of these quarterbacks don't even get a shot. They're on bad rosters. But the teams that give their quarterbacks from this range, just give them full control. You think about Brissett. You think about Hurts. You think about Bethard. I know his record wasn't great, but that was a horrible 49ers team. He actually, his stats were pretty solid. Kept, kept, took decent care of the ball. His completion percentage was up. If you just turn over the roster of them, that seems to work a little better than not. You think about guys like Locke, Rudolph, where they're in and out of the lineup. Even Bethard, in and out of the lineup. Not as great. Brissett, Hurts, you're turning the offense. And again, I... A lot of these guys don't even have stats. So I think you're already winning if you found a guy in the third round who's going to get you consistent starts. And most of these teams are not good. Houston is in the same boat. But I think the moral of the story is, and maybe I'm just looking at the silver lining versus the bulk, but I think the moral of the story is if you think you have a guy, turn the offense over to him, see what you have, and you have a shot of striking goal. Um, I got one question real quick. The second quarterback you ran down there, I think after Jalen Hurts, you said Andrew Luck. Uh, no, Drew Luck. Drew Luck. Okay, I thought you said Andrew Luck. Drew Luck. I was like, I was like, that's. Did he come back? Like, no, what? no, no. That Drew Drew Luck. Okay. Broncos okay. four and nine over 2,900 yards, nineteen total touchdowns. 57% completion rate, which the way he overthrows receivers and wants to launch it deep, I was actually shocked he was hovering around the 60% mark. <laughs> it puts a lot of screen passes on the side. Um, a lot of screen passes. I Okay, so here's what I would name this segment that we're doing here. I would call it a tale of the tape. Um, <laughs> where we're lo- I like, like it. Like we're measuring the boxer. Um Here's what I really take away from that stat, from that from that data. If you are not a first-round quarterback, save your money. Uh, cash those paychecks, put them right in the bank, don't spend any of it, because you're going to be out of this league within three years, and I hope you made a million dollars. Um, I don't... Well, and that's the other thing, too. If you look at all the quarterbacks that... Like, after whatever they saw in preseason, in practices, a lot of those guys didn't have any stats to speak of. So, if you're able to find a quarterback that you're even willing to give some play, even if you're a bad team, you're already ahead of the eight ball. Well, and that is true. With well, with the guys like uh, Kaiser and Webb, now, wasn't Kaiser the Cleveland Browns quarterback where – they had a guy, but they were kind of pushing him out, and they were like, this might be our new starter. And he just never never got the ball. And, no stats. No stats. And then, and then Webb was the Patriots backup who was – it, was it from Arkansas? Let me pull up his, his bio. Uh, but I believe he was uh, Giants, not Patriots. Oh, who am I thinking of? Oh, I'm thinking of the one who he tried to have a reality show while he went there. And they weren't having that, obviously. What? That's amazing. Yeah, New York Giants. Yeah, the quarterback for Arkansas, whoever it was, right around that time, when because Brady was still there, and they're like, it's time to find the backup. And they took the quarterback from Arkansas, like 2015 or 16 or 17, uh, and his wife was really hot. I remember that. And... He was. They were trying to make a reality show, like about his journey into the NFL, uh, and the Patriots are like, "Yeah, you can do whatever you want on your time, but we're not letting the camera crew on on site at all." <laughs> um, 
Did you ever watch the reality show that Jay Cutler's ex-wife had that he was a part of? Uh, I caught a, a one or two episodes kind of out of the morbid curiosity. Like, what is Jay Cutler doing now? Because we made fun of him hard. One of my good buddies, he was a roommate of mine for a minute. Uh, shout out to Chadwick. Was a, is diehard Green Bay, uh, Green Bay Packers fan. So when the Bears got Cutler, he like he just loved destroying that guy. And so I think there's a playoff game when Cutler gets the knee injury and just like is standing on the sidelines and just has this look of a guy smoking a cigarette, uninterested kind of a thing. And they have to sit. Yeah. They have to send in the backup, and Cutler can't be bothered to show any emotion. That whole game, Chadwick is just laughing his face off at like the the situation the Bears have found themselves in. And Cutler is an interesting figure because uh, he was a guy who he got diagnosed with diabetes in the league, and they didn't find out when they should have because he skipped his physical. Because he was upset with how the season ended. So he skipped the Broncos' first season physical, which they would have found out he had diabetes and diagnosed him. So he lost a whole offseason of being able to get into shape the right way. And that kind of set his tone with the team there. Um, I did catch like a couple episodes, and he, he acts exactly how I, I think. He acts exactly like you would think he would act. Yeah. There's like an episode where he's freaking out about like, chicken eggs and stuff like that i don't know i just caught like one episode and it was just you know what this is exactly how i expected him to be <laughs> in uh in real life this really yeah, is reality really television <laughs> well like undoctored well and, and for him you almost sort of kind of, i mean i don't feel too too bad i mean krista cavalier is a very beautiful woman uh but she is trying to push a career and do a thing and here's a guy who's retired with 40 million dollars in the bank and it's like She's like, like teasing him because he's sitting at home. It's like, what is he supposed to do? Like, he's done. Like that, that was the whole point. The work, <laughs> the work is over. The work is over. I yeah. And again, from these, I just I think, I think the two things that I gleaned are, if you have a guy who you grab in the second or third round and he's actually showing enough to start, I think you're already ahead of the eight ball. But it's clear they can still have some juice, but it's it's never going to be enough. You look at Hertz, Locke, Brissett. I mean, they they're putting up some numbers, but these are the quarterbacks that are going to need roster help around them. And again, this all goes back to what I think the theme of the season will be: is like, are these young guys that we're accumulating actually have it? And I think that a guy like Davis Mills, while he's trying to show you if he's actually a consistent quarterback is going to show that as well because if he does well, I think it's more attributable to the pieces around him playing over expectations versus maybe Mills playing over expectations. And I think that if the roster is not great, it's going to be very telling with Mills not being great too. I don't think he's I don't think he's going to be capable enough to elevate a roster. I think that this roster will tell you exactly who they are, not just by wins and losses, but by the product on the field. Oh, yeah, I, I saw a post on, on Reddit that I didn't want to... I wasn't going to be too mean to him. Uh, but it basically said, I'm excited for the season. Uh, if the offensive line can just pass protect in the in the top 15 and the receivers can step up a little bit and, and help catch some balls and the running game really delivers where it should and the defense does what we think it might, then I think, uh, I think uh, Davis Mills is going to have a good year. And someone was like, so if the running game is good, the offensive line is good, and the receivers are good, and the defense is good, then he'll be good. And I was kind of like, "Ooh, yeah, that yeah, I guess that's basically what you're saying there." So uh, that's that's a lot of quarterbacks. But you know what? I mean, to be fair, he's not wrong. No, uh, you know, <sighs> <laughs> that just is true of every quarterback in the league. It really is. <laughs> now I will say this: there are times when you just know, like even when a team is bad, you just know. When Peyton Manning went out there in Indianapolis, you know, he was throwing a lot of interceptions. But you also, you could see what he was trying to do. And you could see that he was leading. You could see him on the sideline talking to people. You could see that he was always in it and battling and trying to get better and learn. So you go, okay, that guy cares. I think there's something there. Uh, and then there's other guys who, like, they, 
they're do it's everything they can just to, to keep their head above water so they're not in that position to lead the other people um they're not in that position to be you know a positive influence for the rest of the team because they're they're doing everything they can just just to keep their own job um so it, it makes me think of like when Sean Payton took over the Saints uh, he he did a complete turnover of the roster, and they went from being a four win ten a uh, four win team to a ten win team. I think within the first season or two, and it was because there was almost nobody there from the year before. Now, yeah, it helped that guys like Drew Brees and Reggie Bush were some of the new faces, but it also helped that he didn't keep anybody from the old regime. He was like, the reason they brought me here is because the last guy didn't get it done. Competitive losses will be the name of the game. Ooh. If they can have competitive losses, that's that's what you want. I, I just don't think – I don't see a guy like Mills being a guy – being a quarterback like Andrew Luck where – do you remember the the when he was drafted, those first couple of Indianapolis Colts teams that were winning games that was just absolutely – they were horrible. They were horrible, horrible teams. And he's so he was so good that he was elevating them into victories. Oh. I just don't see that for Mills. But if they can be competitive, I think that's another thing where it's, okay, there's a few pieces here that are playing up or above to the standard we were hoping for, and there's something here. But I think that the best you can hope for are still losses, just that they're possession losses versus being blown out. Okay, so then let me ask you this. When you get to the end of the season – so last year we were four and thirteen. If we get to the end of the season and we're six and eleven, and Davis Mills, the numbers are basically the same as last year. Are is that enough to keep them? I would say. I would say I would need more – if the record – if they only win four or five games, but he has similar stats. The, the area that needs improvement is uh, the scoring because they were – what was it? I had the stat. I believe they were – if they weren't last in touchdown scored, they were bottom three. And that's one of those things where it's – you don't expect this team to be – Elevating, but if you could even if they scored, uh, if they scored six more touchdowns, they would be in the middle of the pack as far as just scoring. And you just need to like those little things where you're just scoring, like uh, little efficiencies where you're improving incrementally. Where if, if you score six more touchdowns, you're middle of the pack. If they threw, uh, I had this stat written down. If they had three hundred more yards passing, they would go from seventh worst in. Uh, offense on in the passing game to 15th they'd be middle of the road like if you just make those minor things they probably don't win games but if you're just showing that you're a middle of the road team you're probably in more games and that that's where I would say then you're keeping him if you're just incrementally getting a little better but if if they win about the same number of games and his stats are exactly the same I think then you're probably saying it's it's stagnant it's stagnating right or you're, or you're concerned? I, I guess you could you could make the argument that you haven't really given him more weapons would be the the counter to that. But I would want I would want them as a team to get a tiny bit better, even if it's not translating to wins. So here so here's my f- because because I think this offense can be a little. I think the offensive play and calling you probably could expect a little better out of it this year. No, I I don't know, and I think that's where my fear is. Like I don't want to get to the end of this year and 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 not know so like if we get to the end of the year and we still got to have conversations about well if he had more pieces if there was just this or just that if we finish with six wins and his numbers are basically the same then i think you got to move on i think he has to show a real improvement within his own statistical categories where he just even if we don't win more games, even if we it's the same, even if we go four and thirteen, but he in the red zone, his percentages are up. If his if there's interceptions are down even lower, um, you know I. Whatever happens, this is the year we decide on him. 
because obviously one of the two picks will be high enough that we're probably going to take a quarterback. Um, and probably unless he unless he convinces us not to, so he needs to convince us not to. Whatever that looks like. Well, and that's the thing though is that if you're on a bad team, like I don't necessarily like I don't know if I need him to like have crazy a crazy amount more of yards or touchdowns if I would just like him to run a better offense so I would like to see more efficient that's why I went to the scoring right away because if he is running an offense where they're showing that more drives are ending in touchdowns versus field goals or turnovers I think that's what you want because that's where you're saying because I mean like we've seen quarterbacks put up stats that we know are just empty calorie stats, right? They don't really mean anything. You look at it and it's like, oh, they lost a bunch of games by double digits, but really they were losing all of these games by like 15 points. And then you threw up some some garbage time stats and you let a couple of drives in the fourth quarter when you were down by 20 to cut the game to 11 with 30 seconds left. And those are empty calorie stats, right? But if you're, if you're leading more drives that end in touchdowns and more of these losses are one possession games. I think that's where you say, okay, this is a quarterback that can be a leader, can take pieces around them and and go out and make those pieces successful in congruence with each other versus, okay, you know what? This is the quarterback we have to move on for from. And so that's what I think you're looking for those kind of things to point to more efficiencies from him as a quarterback commanding the offense Versus just somebody who can go out and get you 300 yards a game, you know? Yeah, I think I think well, I think 300 now is, is on the low side, sadly, because of the new league. But uh, yeah, I think you're talking about guys like James. Fair. You're talking about guys like James Winston who would finish a game throwing another 150 yards in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah. I don't want the James Winston on the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. It, where every year they weren't sure what they were doing with this guy. And that's the and that's the problem I think that we're getting. Look, we've got the year. He's gonna. It's his year to to make something of himself and to show something. And you can you can go eight and eight and nine or nine and eight, and 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 show the league that you're somebody special. If this if if this team wins nine games, it'll be because he has taken the next step. Um. So I you know there are the scenarios baked in. That we kind of know, okay, if we have a good year, it'll be because he overperforms. Uh, and if he overperforms, then he's the guy. So I, I do think there's that opportunity. Um, but I am concerned. I You know, when you talk about all those other guys coming out of the second and third round, there is not a list of guys. If I were a professional football player, I wouldn't want to be on that list. Even Jalen Hurts, <sighs> you know, is kind of a – they're kind of, they're talking about his preseason was was awful. And they're talking about he might not make it through the season. So, and they were just in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's one of those things where it's you're not turning out, you're just not turning out a ton of a ton of quarterbacks out of those rounds, which is why the the pickings were pretty. Pretty slim to begin with, but you know it's not a good list. It's not a good you, list. You got again every once in a while they hit, but more often than not they don't. That's why I think you've got to have pretty tempered expectations for this Texans team for Davis Mills in general. One last thing quickly. Uh, I don't want to go too long here. Don't want to keep you guys too long. But before we head out, I know I have a fantasy draft tomorrow. I have another one before the season starts out next week. I'm sure a lot of people are drafting their fantasy team this week. Before we head out, I just wanted to do like a couple of minutes. Are you guys, when people come to you and say, hey, I know that you follow football. I know that you cover football. I know that you watch a lot of football. Are you recommending to anyone, any Texans player? Um, I, I would recommend maybe, here's my three that I would recommend. If you can get Damon Pierce after the fifth or sixth round as like your second running back, that's that's a good spot to be in. Um, if you didn't take a defense and you've missed the run on defenses, 
the Texans are good second defense because there's going to be games where they match up well. When they play Jacksonville, when they play Cleveland, when they play some of these teams, there's going to be real opportunities to have low-scoring affairs with lots of sacks. Um, so that might be... I some Sometimes when I miss the run on defenses, I, I do that where I take two defenses and I just look for the team playing the weaker offense or the team with the better matchup. So... And uh, if you took the tex- if you take the Texans kicker, you're you're probably okay because there's gonna be a lot of field goals. Are you feeling confident enough? I, I think we're all recognized that tight end is so shallow in fantasy football terms. If you don't get Kelsey or Pitts or Andrews you're probably streaming tight ends, right? Like, if you don't get one of those three guys in the first, like, two rounds, you're probably taking a tight end in, like, the 10th or 12th round, right? And so you're streaming tight ends. You're just going based on matchup for that week. And so you probably have a just a rash of tight ends that you rotate through throughout the season. Would you put Farrell Brown or Brevin Jordan in a situation where you're like, you know what, three out of the – out of all the weeks that we do fantasy football in the uh, for the regular season, the regular season of fantasy football, however long that is for you, usually it's, what, 12 weeks? Yeah, 12, I, 12 or 14. For two of yeah. those weeks, I'm going to play a Texans tight end. Yes or no? <sighs> like if the Like against the Bears, are you playing a Texans tight end? Or against, like, the – the Washington team. No, no, I don't, I don't think I am. I don't think I'm, I don't think. <laughs> okay. Here, I, I feel like the second you count on a Texans tight end this, this year, the way the team is built, <laughs> you're in trouble. That's fair. That's fair. I, I gotta say, I really like Brandon Cooks too. I am, he's, he's not my, obviously my first wide receiver choice, but if I can grab him for my flex position, I just kind of think you can take to the bank that he's going to get you a thousand yards. Yeah, but, uh, but from your flex, you want one of those guys who, when everyone else has the bad week, your flex is supposed to be the guy who, who makes up for the one bad week game, right? I don't know the last time Brandon Cooks has done more than like a touchdown in a game. So... It's it's usually a quiet thousand yard season from Brandon Cooks, if that makes sense at all. Um, I'm not as in love with the Brandon Cooks selection, but if you get him, if it's late enough in a draft, him and Nico Collins both probably have some value. Well, yeah, and it's like it's one of those things where you do really need it to time up. Like you're saying, you do really need it to time up where you're getting that one of the, cause he had six, like six touchdowns last year, for example, you need it to time out where he's getting that touchdown when you have the really bad week. But you know, I don't know. Like he's, he's going to get you. If you're, if you're PPR, he's going to get you the five catches probably as I, I every once in a while, it's just nice to have a guy in your roster who you can bank on for the thousand yards when there's so many guys where it's like, this guy's going to have 15 points or three points. I just know that Brandon cooks throughout <laughs> the course of a season is going to consistently uh, at least get you points. He's going to have a couple of games where he's got two points, but that's every single player in the NFL, but more, he's going to finish the year with a thousand yards. You can, you can bank on it again. He's not my first receiver or my second receiver or my third receiver, but if Brandon Cooks is on my roster so that I can throw him in against a bad matchup, I don't hate it. Yeah, I feel like, though, you're always going to be trying to figure out which game it is he's going to score one of those six touchdowns. Actually, you know what? I knew you were going to say that. I don't think it's Whoosh. super hard to predict the Brandon Cooks game. Uh-oh. Because, like, you look at, like, last season his game log. Both Jacksonville games. One game he had 132 yards on five catches. The other game he had 102 yards and two touchdowns on seven catches. He went off. So, you know, you can play him against Jacksonville, (laughs) against Carolina. A bad team. A bad Carolina team had 112 yards. Seahawks. A bad Seahawks team last year in the second half when it was clearly a bad Seahawks team. 
101 yards. He's just he's gonna victimize weak secondaries. So you know he's gonna because he's a, he's still got the speed. He's still got the speed. So when it's a weak secondary and they don't have good safeties, throw Brandon Cooks in. I think you can predict these games. So so much like Nico bullying the least left franchise in the NFL. Brandon- <laughs> Nico is the Brandon Cooks of podcasting. Nico, Brandon Cooks is going to show up when the corners are taking the game off. Okay, all right. I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. I I accept this title humbly and gratefully. That's fantasy corner. That's all we got. Oh, this is a mess. More of the story, get Pierce in the seventh round if you can. And... The rest of them maybe just don't. <laughs> yeah, how do you feel about Pierce? You think somewhere right around that area? I mean, that's kind of what I think. Sixth or seventh round, if he's RB two, that's probably a good pick. Yeah, I I'm drafting him. I, that's the one where if you're going up against guys who maybe don't follow it as closely, I know that I can snag him in the the six, seven, eight range. If I'm drafting him in the in the, the fourth round, I think that's. A bit early for my blood. Yeah, because you, you just need to know if he's going to. You can still get a really good receiver in the in the fourth exactly. round. You need to know that he's going to do it uh, during the season, which he hasn't done yet. So I'm with you. There are guys who have proven it. There are guys who are still. Usually, if you're in the right fantasy draft, somewhere there's a top 15 player still there in round four for some reason. Uh, so you, you could. Exactly, but if you grab him in the eighth round and just stash him for the first couple weeks of the season, I think that's yeah, a I'm win. with you. Uh, that's where that's kind of how I feel about it. If you can RB two, round six and on, you're you're doing okay. You're doing you're you're doing you're not you're not you're not playing fanish or foolish. You're you're doing the right thing there. There you go. There you go. So if you're taking Houston Texans, go with Pierce. Lighten your drafts. Otherwise, maybe just stay away. I think that's probably. Pretty common knowledge, but you know what? It felt worth noting since a lot of but, people are but, drafting. But Colton, this weekend, you didn't ask me the important question: uh, Where would I take Davis Mills? And obviously, it's first round, third pick. Duh. Duh. Confidence. People love <laughs> confidence. That's what you. That's what you get on this podcast, guys. It's been a pleasure as always. One more time, congratulations to my brother, getting through boot camp. Super proud of him. And you know what? I'm super proud of us pulling this <laughs> podcast together on the road. I love it. Uh, as always, thank you, everybody, for listening. Congratulations to Ezra. Uh, for a second, I thought you were going to say Ezra Miller, and I was like, your brother's the Flash? What is happening here? Uh, so congrats <laughs> to Ezra. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We're having a great time. Enjoy this weekend. Do your fantasy drafts. Uh, make sure you pick them well because you're stuck with them all year. Uh, it's almost like a girlfriend. So you don't want to screw that up. And we will be back Monday morning with another episode of the Battle Red Radio.